0: My son, last night, six months old, he slept soundly (coughs) for three hours. (laughs) Three hours. Wow, that's parenting, how you're gonna clap for three hours. I am in for it, I guess. Um, But I also slept soundly for three hours, Uh, but only three hours. Uh, So today's message, I only have three Bible verses that we're gonna cover because I'm tired so but I did wear this tie so you would think that I'm spiritual even though I only have three verses no I I don't think God needs a lot of words to do big things some of the shortest you know statements he's made you know let there be light in Genesis 1 and we're still working on is it a wave is it a particle does it have mass you know we're figuring all this out. so there's as dense it's dense even in just a short amount of words God can do big things I think he'll do that today Um, But uh, I'll start off with a quick story. My uh, good friend of mine, Corey Swenson, he actually worked here on Staffer, I think a year, maybe two years. He um, was my first staff person. I shared him with another ministry about 10 years ago when I started uh, as our youth pastor here. And he, I split time with him. He, was a, he served another ministry, but about half, 20 hours a week I get to work with him. And we were finishing up after a youth event where we were the last ones in the building, as you know, unusual, cleaning up everything. It was a Friday night. And uh, I had finished cleaning my stuff and I asked him, I said, you know, you know Corey, you good? I'm gonna head out. And he goes, I'm good, I just have to run some equipment back to the Excel Sports Fitness area over there, um, but I'll see you on Sunday. I was like, great, okay, cool. So I headed out. And so Corey uh, went to go return some equipment to the Excel Sports Fitness area, which um, you gotta hang with me, I wanna explain this. So he went to drop it off. And for those of you that know, it's over here, we have a whole fitness studio next attached to a gym. And uh, when he was in the fitness studio, he put the equipment away, and then he went to the back of the fitness studio, which faces, there's a big window, it's a beautiful view of Highway 41, he turns left, goes through the door, because there's actually another door here that gets him back into the gym. So um, he goes to the back of the fitness studio, opens the door to this, basically it's like an airlock, it's like a a little 10 foot by 10 foot room with a bunch of windows that face 41. It's, it's a pretty little 10 foot space. But he, he turns left, goes through the door, and then turns again to, to go open the door into the gym, which was locked. And it's, about as, it's just far enough from the other door to where when you get to it, the other one closes. And so uh, he turns around to go check the door that he had come from to the fitness studio. It was also locked. And he did not have a cell phone on him at this point in the story. Uh, so he's got no phone. The church is empty. It's a Friday night. Okay, one of our really low if well, zero activity. And uh, just a man in his thoughts <laughs> in a glass room of solitary confinement. And so, uh, you know, after a few minutes of trying to wave some people down on Highway 41, gave up on that and (laughs) picked a corner to go to sleep or whatever just hang out until the next the next day Uh, i don't know about you but in this topic we're going to cover today and we're going to start a few weeks of a series on um, this topic is one that requires us to deal with the fact that some of us feel like we're waiting forever, right? We just we're stuck in a room where God is we're waiting on God, which is our topic today, waiting, being faithful in the waiting. And the door is locked that we thought we'd go through, we check the other door, and that door's locked. There's no doors that are opening and we're just stuck. We're just stuck waiting for God to open a door, right? Well, this topic is counter and counter cultural in our society and culture today mainly because unlike any other virtue this particular virtue virtue of faithfulness requires a lot of and it's going to appear right below me here time a lot of it and in our culture lots of time is actually not a good thing we want things faster right we wanna pay for the shortest amount of time to some location. We want faster cars, we, buy, we pay more money for faster phones. So the implication of that, and we know this isn't true, but it kind of becomes a cultural assumption, is that faster is always better. And in the case of faithfulness in this virtue, a long amount of time is actually more faithful and more faithful, it's better. The other reason it's countercultural is because um, people, who we can learn the most from about faithfulness, oftentimes are the people with the most time. It's old people. And our society worships at the, at the altar of youthfulness and trying to stay young and be young and all the cultural influences are looking for the new young. And in faithfulness, that virtue, we really ought to be learning from those that have put together the most amount of time and we can learn about faithfulness from those that have had that. And so unlike, you know, a lot of things, uh, our, our scripture does run counterculture to it. The Bible talks a lot about honoring elders, learning from elders. And uh, you know, Jesus does say, let the children come to me. You know, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is, you know, children and childlike faith is, is important. I, I get that children matter to God, young, all ages matter, but there is something about scripture talking about honoring our elders. And that's why I love what we're doing with our music, kind of trying to look back and lean back into the anthems and the, and the lyric and the music that, people uh, were so inspired by that we stand on their shoulders with um, in, as a church. So we're talking about faithfulness. And uh, as Howard Witten put it, uh, faithfulness cannot be learned in a hurry. <laughs> you can't learn it fast. Uh, in fact, Hudson Taylor, one of the you know, most prolific missionaries of Asia and a church planting movement globally, um, when he was asked, what is the top three attributes of a great missionary. He says, well, at the top of that list is patience. And number two is patience. And number three is patience. Uh, This is important stuff. And for those of us that know, we live in a society too where people bail on stuff quick. As soon as it gets hard, they're out. So how do we endure the long marathon of being faithful in life? Next week, it'll be how do we be faithful in suffering and pain? endurance, how do we be faithful and forgiving? We're gonna cover that in a couple weeks. Um, That's the enduring the marathon of living around imperfect people for a lifetime. How do we be gracious through that? Today, I just wanna talk about good old fashioned waiting. How do we wait well? And the guy I wanna look at, who's gonna teach us the veteran of faith that I'm gonna look at this this morning with you is a guy named David. And this is the beginning of David's waiting right here in 1 Samuel 16. This is where his waiting begins. First Samuel 16, verse one, now the Lord said to Samuel, just to tell you who Samuel is, he's a prophet. In those days, um, you know, Saul's the king here. He says, you mourned long enough for Saul, rejected him as king. Saul's the king. Uh, Saul, Samuel was kind of, the, kind of the check and the balance, that executive branch of, of the king. Samuel was the prophet. He was kind of like the board of, board of directors for the, for the king. He was like, you know, he was the one that instated the king in the way, spoke on behalf of God. So God tells Samuel, you've mourned long enough for him. Saul's been an unfaithful king. He actually started out good, but he didn't have faithfulness. So his his, his leadership uh, ended up collectively being a disaster. And so uh, it says, I've rejected him. Fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I've selected one of his sons to be my king. Long story short, it's David. In fact, it's in that chapter. A few days later, Samuel anoints David as king. Now. All the cultural evidence that we can look at in this text tell us that David is no north of 15 years old and more likely closer to 10. It's like 10, 11 years old when this happens. And he's told, "You're, you're gonna be king. You are king, actually. You're anointed as king. God's rejected Saul. You are actually the anointed king of Israel. Here's the issue. Saul did not give up that corner office for another 20 some years. He didn't give it up. He didn't relinquish. He, he actually, it, it took him dying before he gave it up. So David waited until he was 33 to be king when he was told, you are king. He waited. How many of you, when your boss comes to you, would say, hey, look, here's your promotion, here's your new title, um, next fiscal, I promise. Some of you have heard this before, right? Right, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that funny. It kind of hurts, right? And and it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, great. And yeah, next festival, one after that. And, next, and, and how many of you would wait 20 plus years for that office, for that job, after you've been told, it, here it is? Well, not only that, but David waits through an arduous, tumultuous, difficult time. He waits when Saul's trying to kill him. He's trying to pursue him. He's trying, he's trying to... Um, uh, you know, dismantle his authority. He actually enlists David, so David has to serve somebody who's technically he's supposed to be. I mean, like, David waits through some hard stuff. So the question is, is, how do you do it? What's his secret sauce? Well, the good news is we have a pretty good understanding of this because David wrote this huge, he had kept a pretty big journal. We have it. It's the largest book in the Bible. It's called Psalms. Much of it is his heart and a him peeling back the curtain on his heart and how he endured this time. It's got 2,000 verses in it, and I've selected only one because I'm tired. I told, I told you this, you should not be surprised. No, I, uh, I picked one, and I'll be honest with you, I, I get that, I, there is a lot in here, but there's one verse in here that I think almost gives you a flavor for all the other Psalms, in a way, it almost flavors them all because it tells you how he wrote those. It almost tells you what's behind David's authoring a major portion of the rest of the Psalms because of what he says in this one. So it's Psalm five, verse three, here it is. He writes this, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, each morning, it's a habit. I bring my request to you and wait. Okay, so first, um, let's just get it out there. I don't think there's anything magical or special about any time of day when you pray, meaning there's nothing more important in the morning than the evening. Some of the most profound, meaningful prayers in my life have come in the late night hours is it's ridiculous for you to think well if I didn't pray this prayer during a set-aside time in the morning it's somehow less spiritual or less significant than when I pray it on my way to work we should pray without ceasing that's what the Bible says I pray all the time every time you talk to God you're entering into the presence in a way just in your dialogue with God you God's gonna do something that's profound that's important so it's not like more important in the morning but David had a habit of the morning. And here's what I would say. I'm not, again, I'm not gonna say that the morning is more important, but what I will, will say is this, is Jesus says that we don't live on bread alone. Actually, scripture says man does not live on bread alone. And we know this, right? We know people who have lots of bread and they're starving, right? They got lots of bread, they got the house and all the bread, but they're, they're dying on the inside. So you don't live, like truly live on bread alone. And so here's my question for you. If you knew there was something that you live on would you wait till noon to deal with it? I mean, even like, I'm, again, I'm, I'm not, don't be legalistic about this stuff. Don't ruin it with that. I'm just saying that, like, would you not at some part early on in your day go to get the thing that you live on? So, I'm, again, you have a night shift, your morning is actually evening. I'm, I'm just saying David made a habit of beginning his activity in his day, just remembering, like, God, you are God, I'm here. Here's my request. Now, I get that we can, we can talk about requests with God and, and our prayer. We, we'll do all kinds of teaching on prayer throughout a given year. And there's, there's a truth that it can become all about us and be selfish and all that. And I get that. And I'm not trying to say that in this sermon. But what I am saying is this is David had a habit of bringing his requests to God. You know, even, um, even other parts of Scripture say, you know, bring your requests to God with prayer and petition, do it a lot, keep asking God. Um, You know, cast all your cares on him, keep casting those. So again, I'm not advocating for like an entirely selfish prayer life where we never pray for other people and we never think about God's plans. I'm just saying David had a habit of waiting by daily, every morning, going before God with his request. So here's the first thing we learn about waiting from David. Don't wait quietly. Don't wait quietly. Be loud (laughs) About your waiting David had a habit of each day Bringing his request to God He did it And this is what he says: he says I'm going to keep doing this I'm going to keep doing this But here's what I want to walk Here's what I want to spend most of our time today I want to spend some time on the last part of that verse Where he says I bring my request to you and I wait David uses a very specific word For the word wait It specifically talks about how he waited Listen to me How you wait is just as important as what you are waiting for. And I know it's subtle. I know it's a little nuanced, but it's real. And we know that from the text. This is the word that David uses to describe his waiting. Um, In the ancient Hebrew, it's up here behind me. If you know ancient Hebrew, go ahead and try to pronounce it. So, uh, no, it's Safa. It's out at Safa. And and, and that word for wait is kind of an unusual word for wait. If you were reading this as an ancient Hebrew, it would kind of pop off the text for you because it's kind of an unusual word. It's very specific about this word. It talks about how he waited. It's the same word used to describe a watchman, the way a watchman waits, a security detail. Uh, Essentially, in the ancient world, people were trained watchmen. They would stand on the city gates. They would stand, you know, there wasn't a Google Nest cam on your doorbell. You had to like put a person there to watch. Who is coming from Amazon to drop off stuff or whatever. And so they had these people, they were watchmen, and, and the way they're trained to wait, well, it's not to sleep, right? There's a certain posture, you don't fall asleep as a watchman, that's not what you do. You're waiting, but you're waiting expecting activity. That's really important. If you ever served in, in a security personnel or any security detail uh, of any sort, we have a uh, one of our ba- best ministries here, honestly, is a bit of an unsung hero group. We have a security uh, ministry that's uh, got a lot of um, uh, law enforcement, off-duty law enforcement or people that are just good at this and they're, they're, they don't like to be spotlight a lot, they like to kind of blend in, but Matt Dorn, our facilities uh, director, does a phenomenal job with this group, keeping us safe. And the way they're trained, and this is how it is, they have to have a Posture they have a type of waiting and watching they do and it's this they assume that at any given moment There'll be activity They're not sitting back assuming nothing's gonna happen on their shift on their watch No, no, no if you're gonna wait the way Jesus taught or the way that David writes. It's the way a watchman does which is assuming Expecting this is the hour. This is the time there's going to be activity So the way we translate it in English, we had to add a word to this verse to just help get you an understanding of the word wait. It's not just simply wait, it's to wait expectantly. It is to wait expectantly. David brings his request to God daily and then he waits expectantly, expectantly, which is different than having expectations. So we are to wait, we're to be expectant without expectations. I wanna spend some time here. This is so, I, I get it, I get this as nuanced. I get this as subtle. But it's so important because it's real and it's in God's word. Expectations are different than waiting expectantly. Let, let me give you an example. An expectation is this when you pray, my prayer requests are exactly what I need. That's gonna change the way you pray and it's gonna change the posture of your heart and your attitude when you pray with the expectation that your requests are actually exactly what you need. That, that's an expectation. Let me tell you where this gets tricky, where this is hard, okay? Some of us in here say, well, I, I know that. Like I, you know, I, God in his grace has said no to a lot of prayers. You, you pray long enough, you're gonna realize like, it is such a blessing the number of prayers God says no to. Thank you, Lord, you said no to that relationship. Thank you, God, you did not give me that job. Thank you, God, you did not give me that net worth. I mean, there's just, there's so many things. We just were like, thank you, you were sparing me. I didn't know at the time. Thank you for saying no. Some of you know that. But where this gets tricky is when the content of your prayer is actually noble. The content of your prayer is good it may even reflect the values of God, like you might be asking Him to do a work in someone's heart to help somebody, to help somebody see God's love or help them see and understand something that will help them. Maybe you're praying for healing, like God wants us to be, He wants us to be whole, He wants us to be healed, but, but at the same time, you're asking for this noble request, you have an expectation around it, and here's what it is. It's God, it's, it's that your timing is best. You know, that was one of the things that hit me right between the eyes. I was talking to a counselor once and I was telling them about something. They said, listen, Brian, you're praying for this person and I know you feel like you're fighting for them, but you're really fighting up against God's timing. See, that, that's where this gets hard. Our expectations can be so subtle. They can, they can sneak into us, but it's about, um, it's about not having expectations. This is, this is expectancy right here. This is being expectant. God will provide exactly what I need. So my request, are not always what I need. God will always provide what I need when I need it. God will, he will be faithful. This is his character, this is his promise. God's never tardy, he's never late to class. That's ridiculous, God is always on schedule and his timing is always perfect because he's a perfect God, he does perfect things. So, Another expectation, uh, this one is a little bit more subtle, and, and, and even as subtle as we're being here, but I want, I want you to know something. I believe this is actually a lot more common in our prayer life and in our walk with God than, than we know. I think this creeps in more often than we realize. Here it is, this is the expectation. My prayer requests are not going to get answered. Even more, my prayer requests are not gonna get answered with a yes. Can I tell you something? That is just as much an expectation as assuming your requests are exactly what you need. It's the same thing. Here's here's what I don't want you to do. Don't let your heart's attitude say no for God. Stop doing that. How many times you close your eyes? Even this week, think of your prayer life. You you talk to God, you go, God, help me with this. And you just have this heart of like, it's probably not gonna happen. This is probably not gonna get answered. Don't do that. Stop your requests and deal with your heart. Deal with the posture God cares about how you pray. And some of us, we know it. We know we're asking God for stuff right now, but our attitude is saying probably not. And that's wrong, rebuke that. Don't stop doing that, because you don't know. You don't know, that's the truth. Let truth define your posture. Don't let your attitude say no for God. Here's an expectation. My prayer requests are not going to get answered. This is the expectant. God will do something good with my prayer life. Every time you engage God, he's gonna work, he's gonna do things, he's God, he doesn't waste time. You spend time with God, he doesn't waste it. I waste time. I, I waste a lot of time, okay? God doesn't waste time. Like even if he says no, That's a positive thing. So example is God, I want this. He says no. Down the road, you realize that actually, like a lot of my requests, thank you, you didn't answer that with a yes. And now I can trust you more. That's a good thing. God took my prayer life and he actually used it to grow my trust in him. Think about this thing. We're always sometimes with a Christian, we're like, hey, you know, Jesus is a free gift of grace. He'll forgive your sins and everything. Uh, The bummer is though, you gotta give him your life. You gotta let them lead. I know, asterisks, minor detail. Free gift, but you gotta give them your whole life. Sorry. That's good news. I mean, you pray long enough, you realize. It's like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not in charge of my life. Thank you that I don't determine what's best for me. Thank you. That's good news. That is the gospel. You know, maybe it's like, God wants you to ask for something like this. He's like, God, I really want this. And then he says just yes not because he's trying to show you that he works for you like an employee or he's some vending machine, but that he's your heavenly dad who hears you and he listens to you and he wants you to ask for something so he can say yes and show you I care and I love you and I want to listen to you and I wanna give you your heart's desires. I mean, that's, wh- why no? that's, that is a profoundly good thing from your prayer life. God will do something with your prayer life that is good every time. This is, uh, this is what I'm talking about, okay? Let me give you a picture of what I'm talking about. What we're dealing with here when we're talking about being expectant is a posture. It's, it's not the content of your prayer life. It's the posture of your attitude and your heart around it. And that's what I know this is tricky, but it's important in scripture and this is so important. Here's why. What happens when you have bad posture? Well, first of all, you don't know you're getting it until you deal with it, until like something happens, right? You don't gravitate to good posture. My, I have a window on my office and I get why it's there. I get it, it's accountability, it's good. I'm, I'm glad we have it. But it, it makes for so many awkward moments because I have bad posture. I don't just have bad posture when I'm typing and working. I have like weird posture. Like I get, like I don't even know what's happening. Like I'll start out, you know, like work on something. And before I know it, like, Sometimes with social media too, it does, I don't know. I just kind of get like, like over time, over minutes, I'm just, the next I know, I'm like this. I don't even want to know what I look like on these screens behind me right now. It's like disgusting. It's just a little bit of drool. You know what I mean? Like you don't even know what's happening. That's a scary thing about posture. You don't know what's happening until the guy knocks on the door. And then I'm like, oh, hey, I'm a normal person, hey. Come on in. I'm important and I work on things. You know, it's like, I, I look weird when I'm doing it, right? Posture, when, when, here's what happens. When the activity happens, when something happens and you have to jump into it and be ready, what, you're sore, you can't get, like, oh my God. I I'm, I'm like, I'm old now. So it's like when I have bad posture and I jump into activity, it's like, oh, I can't do it. I just pulled my neck muscle off. So, and I pulled my body muscle too, so. I can't. I said bad posture, In fact, I just saw this. How this is how little we know. It's happening. I'm, I just saw this ad on like Facebook that Mar, my friend Mark Zuckerberg sent me. And uh, he, it's this thing. It's like a dog shock collar that shocks you when you have bad posture. Have you seen this thing? It like it goes. On your, seriously, it goes on your back. And and you're like, as you, when you get like this or something, it like beep. It shocks you. So I'm gonna buy two of them for my kids. When they're, when they're teenagers, so. I don't even care if it's about posture, I just. But anyway, no, it's a real thing. And posture, here's the thing. It's like catching a, a football or a baseball. If you're not ready, right, with a ready posture, you're gonna miss the ball, right? If, you, if your posture, when you're gonna throw something at somebody and the person's posture is like this, what's gonna happen? You're gonna hit them in the face. Listen, God is not a bad dad. He's not gonna throw you a football that you're not ready to catch. Some of you in your prayer life right now, you're not ready to receive what you're asking for. So God loves you too much, he's gonna say no. He's gonna wait till you're ready to receive it. God wants you to have an expectant posture, which is more about trusting in him, believing in him, believing that he's, his way is best. Why would God throw something at you that you're not even ready to receive? I believe this. Now, I'm not saying all prayers are this way. Don't, don't start having expectations that the only reason my prayer is not getting answers is because I don't have an expectant posture. That's an expectation. But here's what I am saying, is that it's possible that some of you, God is just saying no because you're not ready to receive it. You gotta deal with this. Here's a great prayer for expectancy. Ready for this? God, don't give me what I'm asking for until I'm ready to receive it. Do not say yes to this request if there is still work you wanna do in my heart to prepare me for it. Do not say yes until that work is done. See, that that is the prayer of an prayer. That is somebody that says, look, it's more about me and you, Lord, over the journey. It's not about me getting the thing or the the moment or that thing, that breakthrough even. It's about the breakthrough that you wanna do in the process. And don't don't turn expectancy into a means to an end either. Like I'm going to be expectant so that I can get this thing. No, nope, that's not it either. That's an expectation. Expectancy is really, truly, just building your life on the promises and the character in your relationship every minute, every day of, with Jesus Christ and with God, who loves you and has got you, so take care of you. There's, there's two ways I think you can apply this. There's more, you probably already thought of a bunch, but these are two that, that bubbled up for me this week just to give you something to grab on and, and maybe apply and, and walk out of here with. Um, the first is this, is don't, don't half-joke sarcastically about your future. And, and I, I, know, I, don't, I know you're like, well, what's the connection with that? But let me, let me just tell you something. Like, you obviously have to think of, a, of, you know, when you, someone's half-joking, have you ever been a leader, by the way, and you have a team member that's always, like, making jokes about how much the project's going to fail or how much this isn't going to work? Like, that, that bothers you. Why would you do that to God, who, is, who loves you and is leading you? Why would you do that to Him? Oh, God, I was just kidding. He knows your heart. He knows you're not. Don't do that. Don't, don't let that happen. And not only that, but when you say that, you have to think about it. And here's what, here's what the Bible says, Romans 12. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think this is because God knows, if you can get your mind, your emotions and actions go with it by default. Think about what you're saying. Don't, don't be sarcastic. I'll confess to you, like I, I had to work on this uh, recently, big time. God arrested me with this. I, it was over the holiday season. We were at my in-laws in Indiana for, for Christmas, and um, hey, I brined a turkey, which is awesome, I think. Okay, I'll be the judge of it, I guess. Um, but anyway, we took this thing out, it was great, we set it on the stove, and like right as I set it on the stove, somebody got sick, and everybody got sick, and turns out everybody had the norovirus. And for those of you who don't know what the norovirus is, it's, uh, it's kind of like, like if your body has a going out of business sale, and everything must go <laughs> right away, right now everywhere yeah that's it it's and it happens fast for those who have it it just happens and it's gone it comes and goes <laughs> and uh everything goes but it's it's violent and uh and everybody got it real fast and literally Hannah and i we picked up all of our stuff we left the turkey no one touched it we just got in the car and drove eight hours home it was it was that crazy and and the whole way home though i'm negative i mean i I was, I know this is a silly example because it's like, I was just about being sick and I actually didn't get it. But the truth is, is the whole way home, I was negative. And I, I don't know, like, you know, again, voices from God, I don't hear voices, but the scripture comes back into my mind and it's like, Brian, why are you doing this? And here's why we do it. It's a coping mechanism. If we can not be too happy about the future, if we can say things that are actually kind of derogatory or negative about our future, but do it in a kidding, hum- humorous way, we're somehow safe. And what, what coping mechanism is that? That's not in scripture. You don't, you don't determine what your coping mechanism is from, from anywhere else other than the Bible. And it's not even good for you. So just don't do that. Don't, and God arrested me with this. And I was like, you're right, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna stop making this little jokes and and think of what your the sum total of your last year your month or your last week would be like if you had just not done that sarcastically or whatever about your future just think of think of the impact that would have and the people around you the kids watching you whatever the other one is this um keep a record of your waiting you know keep a write down things in your prayer life and i know this is kind of a tired takeaway from sermons is you know keep a prayer journal but the truth is this, is God is working while you're waiting. That is the point of the Sabbath, is to remind us that while we rest, God sustains. While we rest, he works for us on our behalf. You know, that, that's, that's, the, that's who God is. He's working for you, he's doing things for you. So, so keep a record of the waiting, because he's always redeeming, he's always working. And, and this is what's true, we forget stuff. Like I, I, my Facebook, you know, memories thing, you ever get this where like it pops up and says like, two years ago you did this. And I'm like, never, no, I did not do that. There's no way I did that photoshopping me and stuff again. I just, we forget, right? Keep a record, keep a re- You wanna get good at waiting? If you don't wanna get good at waiting, then ignore everything I've said today. But honestly, if you wanna get good at waiting, keep a record. You're, you're gonna see God's activity. One of the things David did is he did this, but he also wrote down God's promises. Psalm 138, verse eight. This is God's promise. The Lord will, not questionably, the Lord will do it. And the Lord does the work, not me. You know, this is the, this is the thing about faithfulness right here is that, is that we're not faithful. If you're walking out today going, okay, I wanna be faithful, so I just have to try harder said more grit have a prayer journal brian said the, the truth is this is no no the lord is the one your daily prayer and request to god have to include god you got to do the work and here's what david does he actually does it he prays this prayer the lord will work out his plans not mine don't re- don't read it too fast not your plans his, which you're thankful for. Remember, if you pray long enough, you'll realize, like, thank you, they're not my plans. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, your faithful love, not mine, oh Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me, other versions say, don't forsake the work of your hands. You started this, Lord, you're gonna finish it, and I'm gonna pray that. Expectingly, meaning I trust your character. I trust your promises. Regardless of my, my definition of timing or what should come when, I trust you. So, our friend Corey, meanwhile, back at the ranch, Corey is uh, sitting in the room in the glass house, solitary confinement, and uh, he is, you know, uh, he's there for three hours. And, you know, he's just just looking out. I don't know what you do for three hours without a cell phone anymore. I don't know what I would do. But he's just looking out into the, watching the sun set on all of his hopes and dreams and the Highway 41. And he notices something about one of the windows that's facing the exterior. He knows something. It's got this, it's got this, like, this waist-high bar thing. And, uh... It just doesn't look like any of the other windows. And he he walks up to it and it kind of like, it pushes in. And he he pushed this bar and the window, this is curiously enough, it moved. And it opened to the outside world. The dude waited in a room for three hours. And there's a door right there to the outside world. He waited for three hours just sitting there on a Friday night. And there's that door, it's right there. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) That is so funny for me. (laughs) It is funny, it is. But here's what's true. There are people in this room that are in a waiting room that they don't have to wait in. There is a waiting room that you don't have to wait in, every one of you. And there is a door out. Jesus has made a door and you don't have to wait in it. And it's the waiting room that I'm alone in my waiting. It's the waiting room that, I, that my future is darker than my past. It's the waiting room of despair. And you don't have to wait another minute in that room. There's a door. There's a door. His name is Jesus. You can walk through it and know that God's plans are good. And He's faithful even when I'm not. And He will get the work done. He doesn't quit. You don't have to wait in that room anymore. Go through the door. Go through the door. And here's how you do it. You just believe, and then you live out that belief. And some of you, I believe this. You're you're like Corey. You're seeing the door. For the first time, God's opening your eyes right now. You're like, I can get out of this room of waiting with despair and hopelessness, and then I'm alone in the universe. Yes, but here's the thing. Some of you won't walk through it You won't walk through it. You're just gonna, you're like great sermon, it was good, but you're not gonna walk through it because here's what it takes to walk through the door. You gotta just give God your life. And there's a whole world opening to you. But you won't do it. You're not going to give them your life. You're not going to give them your plans. You're not going to get in the back seat. And you're just going to sit there and be like, that was really great. And then you're going to sit there when you leave here. And you're going to sit there when you go into Monday. And when you go into Tuesday and Wednesday, you're just going to sit there. And you don't have to. Right now, you can decide from this moment on, God, you started this. I'm going to believe you're going to finish it. And I'm going to put you first in my life. That's the door. Walk through it. Walk through the door. You don't have to wait another minute. So I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna pray expectantly. I hope you do too. I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna ask, and you put it in your own words, but I'm gonna say, God, start the work, start the work, and then God, I'm gonna assume some stuff expectantly that you're gonna finish it. If you're doing it right now and you're starting it, you're gonna finish it. And I'm gonna believe it, you're gonna believe it, and look around, everybody's gonna believe it because we are gonna be a church that waits expectantly. We're gonna believe in the promises of God. And then after I pray, we'll stand for the closing benediction. But let me pray for us, let me ask God. God, I do wanna pray on behalf of those that right now are seeing the door, they're seeing there and they're not sure if they can go through it. They're not sure if they they just like the idea of it being there, but God, invite them because there's a whole nother world outside that door. So invite them right now in their own words, say, Lord, I'm gonna believe it's there. I'm gonna believe it's for me. God, I believe you died for me. I believe you forgive me. I believe you've invited me out into a whole world. I've been sitting my life in a waiting room. I've been in a waiting room that I don't have to be in. You made a way 2,000 years ago. Lord, I'm walking through that door right now and I'm never looking back again. I don't have to be in that room. Lord, I wanna pray for those in the room right now that have felt like you gave up on them. And they can leave that waiting room right now, Lord. You promise that you will finish what you started on your schedule and it'll be perfect. So Lord, for those in the room that thought you've been abandoning them, that you haven't been working on them, Lord, you're well at work. Help them to have a posture today. Fix their posture. May it be expectant. May it not have any expectations and may it be built on your promises, not their problems. All of this in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Stand for closing benediction. I'm gonna lay some Paul on you guys from 1 Thessalonians. And now may God himself, the God of peace, amen to that sanctify you. He's the one that does the sanctification. That's a word for growing you spiritually. Salvation is a free gift of God, lest no man should boast. Guess what else is too? Sanctification is a free gift of God, lest nobody should boast about it. God saved you and he's gonna grow you. May the God Himself, God of peace, sanctify you through and through, not partially, all all the way through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you and called you today, maybe for the first time, is faithful, even when we're not. And He, not us, He will absolutely do it. Amen. Amen. You are sent, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Have a good week.